Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the RC Report. I have with me again Matt Walnut of the Rookie Scout Portfolio, and he has some exciting news for us about his latest. And we're going to go over the wide receivers today. How are you today, Matt? I'm doing well, RC. How about yourself? Doing pretty well. A little scatterbrained today, but doing pretty well. Uber is not good to me at nighttime. It uh, <laughs> it can make some rough morning. It can make it's good to me monetarily at nighttime, but the mornings are not quite as good as uh, <laughs> I thought they were. I'm not as young as I used to be. There you go. <laughs> we're all going in that direction. Exactly. Tell us about your your release that just came out April first, I believe. Sure. Yeah. The um, the rookie scouting portfolio comes out every April first. It's my publication where I provide analysis on all the uh, skill players, the offensive positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and it's a 1,500-page draft guide. Most of you will probably only look at 300 pages of that, but it's a very well-organized um, PDF that gives you rankings. It takes you through my process. It breaks down players and a variety of different traits that they have to offer. Um, very complete write-ups and profiles on these guys who's underrated, overrated. Um, and it also takes you through my process. And that's why um, it's as large as it is because I show you all my game notes. I show you all my grading sheets. I show you how those grading sheets are defined and structured um, so that you can actually see kind of everything into my process. Um, and this has been something I've been doing for 11 years. Um, this is, you know, so um, I've been doing this for quite a while. It's available now at mattwaldman.com. You can download it there. 10% um, of every sale also goes to Darkness to Light, which is an organization um, that is designed to provide training um, to communities, police or organizations, municipal organizations, on how to address and prevent sexual abuse in communities. Um, so it's a great cause. Um, it's something that I've been um, donating 10% of each sale to since 2012 and uh, in response to what happened with Penn State and just felt like that it would be a good opportunity as a football community um, to step up and show that we care. Folks, this is definitely something you need to get. I've made my purchase, and I am waiting through it. Uh, for the people, just to give them a little taste, uh, obviously can't go through all of it, but give them a little taste of what your process is. The Cliff Notes. Sure. <laughs> sure. The, the, Cliff, the Cliff Notes version is I spend all year watching tape, and I have a database that I've created based on a best practice process, um, and I'm used in a different industry that I applied towards monitoring performance for football players. So each each position has its own specialized checklist of criteria that I look at that's well-defined for you to see and weighted by point values, and I examine the breadth of their talent basically meaning if their job requirement is wide receiver, what are all the things that fulfill that job requirement and how, how much of those requirements they fulfill. I measure that. That's breadth of talent. Depth of talent is how good they are at specific skill sets at that position. So a good example is a guy like, oh, I would say a guy like Andre Johnson in his prime had a wide breadth of talent and a deep depth of talent. Um, but a guy like Mike Wallace probably had a narrower breadth of talent, but a high depth of talent. So I give you an idea of kind of seeing where these players might fit based on their talents, what their potential is, 
Um, and I, you know, I grade these players based on these, on the checklists I do and these stack rankings that I have. And that gives you, you know, then I break that all down and give you an analysis that's easy to consume and read and gives you stories about these players and understanding of what they can do, what they can't do, what they should be able to learn, um, and how they fit into um, an NFL scheme. That is awesome. And again, folks, pick it up. You can find it at netwallman.com. I want to do it a little bit differently because I've heard so many of these uh, podcasts that are similar. So I want to do it a little differently and look at the traits, and then we can examine which players excel at which traits. So what, which receivers are the best deep ball threats? in this class? They can take the top off the defense or they can just get up and go get the ball for deep explosive plays. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great that's a great question. And you and you're looking at really two sets of skills here for the most part. You're looking at how well they separate um, at the line of scrimmage because it's that first ten to fifteen yards that matters. And then you're looking at how well they catch the ball and be able to do that um, in a variety of methods. Um, because you know the deep ball isn't just you know, there's lots of ways to throw a deep ball. It can be a fade. It can be a deep post. It can be one where you're running behind a guy or one where you're turning back around and rebounding the ball. And so there's different types of deep threats. Corey Coleman is the classic deep threat who can get behind a defense very early and extend that lead. I'm still here. Can you hear me? Hello? We're good. Keep going. I'm here. Okay, Keep good. Going. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, Corey Coleman can extend a defense – um, get behind the defense and extend that lead, uh, that early lead to the point that he's three to four yards and ahead of someone to catch the ball. He's very quick off the line. He's got some decent movement. He's someone that can have an early impact in the NFL um, if he's allowed to be that secondary receiver or that third receiver who gets a, a prime matchup as he continues to develop his game. Um more of a classic rebounder would be a guy like Josh Doxson. Josh Doxson can obviously run good routes, but he's, he's a little more physical. He's someone that can go up and win the ball against tight coverage and out-rebound it. Um, so he's a good player for a quarterback who may not have spectacular deep accuracy but can get the ball in the general area and be aggressive enough to give Doxson room to, to go up and get it. Um, Another player who has good quickness and speed who's underrated is Malcolm Mitchell out of Georgia, and he's, and he's competitive enough to, to win against some physical coverage and be able to make plays in tight coverage. He's an underrated guy that I would consider. Um, and then another one that I think that is probably kind of um, you know more of a, I would say, underrated guy is Michael Thomas out of Southern Mississippi. He's a guy that... Um, the way that he makes plays for balls and tight coverage is very reminiscent of Odell Beckham. Some of the catches that he makes, if you go to YouTube and you check out Mike Thomas versus um, who is it against? I want to say Louisiana tech, Mike Thomas versus Louisiana tech. And it's on YouTube. You are going to see about five or six plays that any one of them you would say was worthwhile to put on a highlight film for a career. And he made four or five of them in a game. And he does that on a, on a pretty frequent basis. Um, he's a highly underrated player that didn't get invited to the combine, but should have. Two players that I noticed that you did not mention for these particular, that some people perceive, actually, I don't think I would perceive the, the first one as that, but um, 
We have Laquan Treadwell and Will Fuller. Fuller being the two guys, it seems that you were breaking them down basically by guys who had the ability to use their size once they got down the field to some degree, and then the guys that are just the pure speed guys. Why Laquan Treadwell is kind of a polarizing figure, and I believe that his his big playability at the next level is sort of exaggerated because the further you got downfield, the 50-50 balls weren't as prevalent. But can you break down his big playability sure. as far as football goes? Yeah, and actually, I'm glad you asked about him because he's he would still belong on this list for me. Um, he actually is a player that I would say has star caliber skills separating from the line of scrimmage, but it's within the first 10 to 15 yards. He's very precise with his footwork. Um, He has excellent use of his hands and he's very strong. Um, So the, the issue for him is, yeah, he's a four, six, five um, receiver. So if you're looking for him to be, you know, you're going to need a guy who has good anticipation throwing the ball to him. And, and certainly he's going to find enough quarterbacks in the NFL who can do that. Um, because if he can get on top of you within that first 10 to 15 yards, and he does, he's big enough to box you out. He's big enough to be able to just control the pace of the route and make the catch. And so I'm, I'm very, I look at Laquan Treadwell kind of like Michael Irvin or Larry Fitzgerald. He is not a classic deep threat but he is a big play guy. And that means either catching the ball and running after the catch, making the chain moving intermediate targets, um, or making some of the deeper targets within 30 to 40 yards downfield um, when he can get on top of someone early. And I think he's going to be able to do that a lot. So I, I definitely feel that way. Will Fuller, Will Fuller is a very fast football player who is that classic, you know, is what you think of as an old school deep threat who can get behind you. And as long as he doesn't have to make a contested play, he's usually in pretty good shape. I think he can make contested plays, but the issue that he has is that it's not as consistent as it should be because he has difficulty with how he uses his hands to catch the football. Um, one of the techniques in catching the football that's very important is to be active. You need to get your hands out there, catch it at the earliest point that it's arriving near your body, and then trying to make that catch with your fingers up and your and your thumbs up so that your palms are facing the ball and catching the point of the ball. And when you're attacking the football in that range, you, you have more opportunities to play without a defender interfering with it. He often takes a more passive approach where he's trying to trap the ball and cradle it. And that's okay when you got your back to a defender and the ball's over your head. But when you have to face a defender or or make plays in tighter coverage and you're waiting for the ball like that, you give defenders more opportunities to make a play on it. And I think that he's going to struggle a little bit more against tight physical coverage in the league. And that's why he's not among the best defenders. in, in the class, would you say he's a body catcher? Would you give him that yes. label? I would and give I think, him that I would, label. I would like to uh, philosophically ask you with body catchers, and you know, someone like T.O. has been a body catcher, but do you think body catchers are, you can get away with it if you have more size as opposed to Phil yeah. Fuller, who's more slight? You can. And, and, T.O. also learned to catch with his hands. Now, he had his fair share of drops, but I don't wor- really worry about drops if you're making big catches and if you're you're making up for some of the drops that are more focus-oriented. But I think from a technique-oriented standpoint, you know, Kenny Stills is, was a body catcher early on in his career. Um, Golden Tate was a body catcher. He's, he's been successful enough. 
but you don't see him being that huge deep threat. You see him more being a crossing route type of guy after the catch. Um, early Doucette was a guy that should, you know, physically should have been a lot better, but he was mainly a body catcher and ended up limited to being more of a slot guy that didn't have to face tight physical man coverage on a regular basis. So Will Fuller, to me, he has to show that he can overcome it because he can make tough catches, and when he has to reach up for the ball and make the catch, he does it. Like you, there's some plays you can see where he's high pointing and tight coverage in the red zone where he can do it. So I think there's hope for him to develop into an NFL starter, but the, the issue will be how consistent can he get at making the plays with his hands away from his body when it needs to happen? And can he develop that skill a little bit more consistently on plays where he doesn't need to do it, but he should do it. And, 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 you know, that's the, in college, I would say that's how I would describe he doesn't need to do it, but he should in the NFL, he's going to, that's going to transform to most of those plays. He should do it that way or else he's going to drop or have more passes defended against him than, than really necessary. He should be making more catches. Our next category is going to be, and you, and you mentioned it, some of these might overlap a little bit, but let's uh, talk about them in general and the concepts in general. Separation skills, which guys stand out on the film, the extensive film that you watch in terms of the ability to gain separation, like you said, uh, first 15 yards and even further? Yeah, and I mean, certainly we talked about Treadwell and Coleman because they both have um, – their differences are that Coleman's a guy that he's so quick that he can he can overwhelm a defender with his quickness um, and use a combination of some moves to win the ball, to, to win that early separation. And he's got that great speed. Treadwell's more of a guy that can do, that has a greater variety of moves in his arsenal, a greater display of good footwork in combination with it. And so he's more of a technician. And even when he misses, he's so strong that he can kind of, you know, if his hand hits you rather than getting over you, it feels more like a club. So it's a, you know, it kind of helps him out and he's quick enough early on guy. Um, I think that Leonte Carew is very good at separating off the line of scrimmage. I love his footwork. He's very, again, very precise in his movements. He gets into the body of the defender so that he's attacking the defender and making that defender have to turn and run. And once you do that, you can manipulate him in, in, in that direction. So I like Carew a lot from that standpoint. I also think that Mitch Matthews out of BYU is a surprising player. Um, he's a 6'6 guy with a 38-inch vertical leap, um, and people weren't sure how fast he was. I think a lot of people thought he was he was a little on the slow side, but he ran a 44840 um, at his pro day. He showed good skills in also the 20 and in the in the shuttle in the three cone drill. And so he's someone that, you know, you watch it on tape and that coincides a good bit. He's got, he's, again, he knows how to use his feet to come off the line and use it to run a, a number of different types of release steps and use a chop move or use, you know, use a swim move. I think Jordan Payton's another one who that people underrate his ability to separate. I thought he consistently got defenders grabbing him and forcing um, pass interference plays on a, on a consistent basis against um, Jordan Payton because he had a really good combination of 
footwork and a swim move to be able to hook a defender and then swim over him and get behind him. And while he may not have the great speed to extend the play where he's three to four yards behind a guy, um, once you get a back to a defender, you're in good shape. And that's why also someone like Sterling Shepard, who's a very good technician, does a nice job with this as well. He's been well coached by Jay Norvell, who was the who was the Oklahoma coach for wide receivers, who's coached the likes of um, people also in the NFL, like Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Jerry Rice, and Tim Brown, and wrote, literally wrote a book on wide receiving that I would highly recommend. Which guys, a little negative here, or negative traits here, which guys do you see that will have the hardest adjustment to getting off the line of scrimmage? I know that's something that a lot of receivers struggle with. They haven't really faced kind of bump and run coverage that they will in the pros. Which guys do you see will have the hardest time making adjustments to that, or do you think maybe yeah, will? Yeah, and I think that it's I, – I think I can say that there are guys that – it's really more about just learning and focusing on doing the job as, as well as you can. But I would say that um, guys that appeared slow to me and that even if they get that separate, if they're even able to use their hands and feet, that their, that their speed might still be a bit of an issue. Um, Max McCaffrey out of Duke, Ed McCaffrey's son, one of Ed McCaffrey's sons. Um, I, I think that he's a little bit on the slower side. Uh, I think that's going to be a little bit difficult for him to be able to earn that type of separation. I think, I think the Keel Williams, Duke Williams, the former Auburn receiver who was labeled a second round value last year, heading into um, last spring and decided to stick around at, at Auburn. He's a, he's a plotting player. I think he's a little, again, also would probably be better in the slot um, where he doesn't deal with that kind of have to, execute on that kind of a level with separation. He can be more of a big slot guy, maybe in the mold of Marcus um, Colston, if he can really get his act together, his game together in that level. The Runya Wilson's another one who is, you know, a, a former basketball player, very promising guy in terms of being able to catch the football. And he's made a lot of improvement, but again, another slower, not so quick off the line type of player who might be a little bit better in the middle of the field as a big slot guy. So, I mean, those are guys that come to mind right away. What, let's look at the red zone. Which players will thrive in the red zone at the next level? Yeah, Treadwell immediately comes to mind because just that height, the ability to win the ball in tight coverage and to be combative and physical and to win with his hands. I think that um, Josh Doxson is obviously very much in that in that group for the same exact reasons. Mitch Matthews with that 38-inch vertical leap and that 6'6 frame should be there. I think Sharon Peake out of Clemson is, an, is a guy who plays at a pretty physical level who can do a good job do a good job there. Um, I let's see other guys. Mike Thomas again of Southern Miss. I he and Michael Thomas of Ohio State. Both Mike Thomases I like in in that regard um, and their ability to to go up and win for the ball. And then let's look at some other guys who may not you may not think in that regard, 
but have the quickness to be good from the slot and be and be red zone producers. Daniel Braverman out of um, Western Michigan, probably the best slot receiver from when you're thinking of that Wes Welker mode mold type of player, a smaller, quicker guy. Um, he could be very good. Jakeem Grant is probably the most elusive player in football at a college at the college level. I mean, he was he's like a, he's a video game the way that he that he runs. Um, up and down the field. And if you can get him, you, if, if he can get a little better at separating from the, um, from the line of scrimmage, uh, he's got the speed and quickness and the ability to win after the catch to become a real asset in the red zone, especially on a team that has a strong running game where they can't focus solely on him when he's on the field. Kiaris Garrett from Tulsa is a tall physical football player who wins the ball in tight coverage. And I think those are, you know, a lot of guys that you could see if they get the rest of their game together, their red zone game should shine. I don't want to totally, I don't want to give away your rankings, but I would ask who would be in maybe your first tier and maybe your second tier of guys as far as your how you value them. Sure, and I don't mind saying that. You know, I have Treadwell, Doxon, and Coleman as my first three receivers in that order. Um, I. And I would say that would be, you know, Treadwell and Doxon would probably be in my first tier. Coleman might still also be in my first tier, um, but it's. But I would say that it depends on what type of league you're in. If you're a fantasy owner, if you're a, if you're a draft Nick, you know, I would say that he still probably belongs in that first tier. Um, my second, you know, or he'd probably actually be at the top of my second tier. I'd probably put him at the top of my second tier. That'd probably be more accurate. And in that second tier, I'd have guys like, you know, I think Michael Thomas of Ohio State, Sterling Shepard of Oklahoma. Um, those are guys that would belong in that tier. I have a few others that, that are in, included in there. But I would also probably add guys like maybe at the bottom of that same tier would be Sharon Peak of Clemson and Tajay Sharp of UMass. Um, those would definitely be second-tier guys that I think are, are worthwhile to consider. And that tier is a pretty tight tier because it would extend all the way down to probably my my 13th-ranked receiver, who is a little lower than most folks have him, but it's Tyler Boyd of Pittsburgh, who's a really nice athlete in terms of um, his versatility. He can catch the ball in tight coverage. He's a tough football player. I think he's more football player where the some of his parts exceed the individual skills, but I think he could make a nice um, second receiver in a lineup as he develops his game. He would be at the second of uh, the the bottom of my second tier, which would probably extend from my my third player to my thirteenth ranked player. There's not a ton separating um say my I would say there's not a ton separating my sixth player from my thirteenth player yeah. we do generally in, in this sort of answer this question, but the class overall, do you feel like it's a very deep, talented class? I think it's a good class and it's got depth. There's good talent at the top. There's better depth in the middle than what people are talking about. Um, it's just not as deep at the bottom range of the talent in the way that, say, 2014's class and 2015's class was. I'd say that it's it's got it's got fewer players that I would say are – developmental talent, you know, extend from being top talents to developmental talent. So the total isn't as high, but there's still quality depth and um, first, second and third tier guys in this group who can develop in the starters. So from that standpoint, I'd say it's comparable, 
even if it's it doesn't seem as flashy as it did in, in previous seasons. Who are the guys in this class that when the ball is in their hands, that's when they're most dangerous, so they just expel after the catch and the ball in their hands? Oh, yeah, and we talked about Treadwell and, Col- and Coleman. Those guys headline the list because Treadwell's got incredible balance. He's a very strong runner after the catch. That's one of the things that's really going to be – it's going to endear him because he's so physical as a blocker and as a guy after the catch. Coleman's just lightning quick. You can get him out there, and it's kind of like – think of a more physical – like a larger, more physical Deshaun Jackson with the ball in his hands. So that's a very, that's a very flashy thing. Um, I think Leontae Carew is a little underrated in that department. I think he can move pretty well after the catch. Um, and then Yakeem Grant, the, the, the slot receiver I talked about, what he can do. I mean, there's a game against Oklahoma State you can find on YouTube with him where he literally, you know, if his cleats had like could leave footprints, he would have drawn an S in cursive from like about the five-yard line of Texas all the way to the Oklahoma State, you know, 10. I mean, he ran through the defense like at least one and a half times in terms of what he was able to do, and he does that consistently. Um, He's very good after the catch. Um, I think Will Fuller's not bad after the catch. He's another example of someone that can can play pretty well in space and do his thing. Um, You know, certainly people like Farrow Cooper for that. Um, I think – Daniel Braverman is a very good runner after the catch, very quick um, and very skilled in that regard. And um, and then the last guy that I would probably mention is Mike Thomas of Southern Miss. I like I like what he shows as a player after the catch. There's he's not as flashy as those guys, but he's fast enough that if you give him a little bit of room, he knows how to hit a crease and find it, and he can get behind you in a hurry. We haven't talked about him yet, and he's an interesting prospect because of the conversion factor, but Braxton Miller, what's your take on him? Yeah, and he's obviously he's he's another one that fits in that last in that last one um very easily because he is a good runner after the catch, very dynamic. What I need to see from him more, and I think he's gonna get there, is he needs again to learn to he needs to learn how to track the ball a little bit better. Um, he, he he tracks it in terms of being able to locate where it is and adjust to it, but he doesn't make the optimal adjustments that he should downfield because he's inexperienced in the position. So he ends up um, turning his body in directions where he opens himself up to um, the defender being able to make a play on the ball when he could have positioned himself to shield the defender from the football. Um, he also is a player who... He's so quick and so flashy with his moves, and he's very good at it. But the problem is, is like Corey Coleman, he he faces a more patient defender, and you're going to find more patient defenders in the NFL, and those moves are rendered ineffective right now. So he has to learn how to, to really use his feet better so he's not just making a move to try and fake a guy out, but to also – put himself in position so that he can use his hands better so that he can win in a more physical way. Um, and it's more about winning angles and setting up the defender, not just with a playground type of move because the playgrounds, the playground moves are all there. Now it's about turning that playground into professional football type of strategy off the line of scrimmage. And that's what he has to learn. When I say best hands in the class, which receivers stand out? 
Yeah, let's see. Best hands in the class. I mean, you know, Treadwell certainly fits the bill for me as one of those guys. Um, but And Marquez North is a very intriguing guy in that regard at Tennessee. Some of the things that he can do to adjust to the football are just fantastic. Same thing with Michael Thomas, probably one of the best one of the best acrobatic receivers I've seen in quite a while um, come out. Um, but Josh Doxson probably has the best hands when it comes to just making plays, play in and play probably out. The biggest too, uh, huh? Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably the, biggest literally the biggest as well. <laughs> yeah, not co- not not so coincidental. But he is definitely he adjusts well the ball. He takes the contact that you're looking for. Um, and he's, you know, he can make the plays high, low, away from his body. I'd say he and Treadwell are probably the two best in that area. And then our last trait that I think I'm going to look at is just pure athleticism. We've been, I'm sure some of them have been mentioned, but just uh, give me their, your take on the athleticism of the best uh, athletes in this class. Yeah, I mean, certainly I think that, I think that people underestimate, you know, Josh Doxson, you know, you look at, you look at his size, speed, vertical, and strength, and that's pretty impressive. You know, he's got a four, he benches 14, did 14 reps, 41 inch vertical leap. You know, his three cone under seven was at 6.84. That's pretty impressive. A 4.08, 20 yard shuttle. Again, good burst off the line of scrimmage. So I'm, I'm impressed with him. I like Treadwell, even though the four six five sounds slow for a receiver for a lot of people. Again, Hakeem Nix was a very good athlete. Anquan Bowles a very good athlete. Those guys ran just as slow or slower forty times. Treadwell's very quick and he's very strong. Is Treadwell closer and, to is it close closer to Colston or is it closer to Larry Fitzgerald, the, the upper uh, one comparison I've heard, Larry Fitzgerald, Gates Bryant, Michael Irvin. Which one do you think he looks more like in the league when you project it out? Yeah. The guy I've Not been saying that he but compares. Which end of the spectrum? Yeah. The, the guy that he compares favorably to me that I've been saying for months is Michael Irvin. This is the closest you're going to see to Michael Irvin in this generation. So he's going to push off a lot? He's going to push off a lot? He's. He's going to be, yep. <laughs> Which was he's gonna, count. Hey, I'm a Cowboy fan, so it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Part of the game. Yeah. And big receivers seem to okay. get away with it more for some reason. Yeah. He's going to be able to do that, but he's also going to be quick and strong, and he's going to be able to use his body to his advantage um, in a way where he's going to, you know, he's got that quickness. You know, you would say if you take, and I don't want to say production-wise, so don't, when I give a comparison, if you're listening, don't think of it as a talent comparison as much as a stylistic comparison. But if you were to combine Jerry Rice's initial quickness off the line with Michael Irvin's strength off the line, that's more where, that's the combo of what Laquan Treadwell provides in terms of what he can do at the line of scrimmage with his quickness and strength. And I think that if he can continue to develop into the uh, even better route runner, and I think he's a good one already, I think he's, I still think he's, I would almost put him in a tier by himself in this class. I, I feel like that he can be that good of a receiver, even though a lot of people are talking about his metric numbers and how bad they look. And some people were comparing it to Corin Robinson, the former Seattle Seahawk, and saying he's more like Corin Robinson as a player comparable from a metric standpoint. And that's all nice, but you know what the metrics don't show is that Corn Robinson was a darn good NFL prospect. 
his issue was that he couldn't consistently catch the football. Laquan Treadwell doesn't have that issue. So those guys are those guys are probably the better athletes when you look at them. Mitch Matthews is an impressive looking athlete too. I mean his 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 times are very comparable or if not better than um Josh Doxon's. His you know his measurables and everything. So he's an interesting guy to watch. Can he translate that to the field in a way where maybe he wasn't able to at BYU for maybe reasons that weren't always um, up to him, you know, the, the speed factor with Yakeem Grant, you know, the fact that, you know, that he runs a four, three and he's so agile and able to change direction the way that he does, that makes him an, a, a very impressive athlete in his own right. Two guys we haven't mentioned today are, well, briefly, you mentioned him, Sterling Shepard out of Oklahoma and also Rashard Higgins out of Colorado state with Shepard. Can he, is he, do you think he can play on the outside, or is he just a flat guy in the, at the next level? Yeah, I think he's a. I think he's at best as a slot guy, but I do think that he's closer to, say, Steve Smith, the Giants, former Giants receiver from USC, where Steve Smith could play outside and get deep on you outside because he was so good as a route runner and so reliable with his hands. And I think that Shepard compares – fairly well to a Steve Smith, Derek Mason type of talent um, where that he can do that type of work. But, it, it, you know, it, it to me, I think that it, a lot of it has to do with how good he is as a technician. And he is certainly, you know, in my top 10 in the upper half of my, or close to the upper half of my top 10 um, at that position. He's a fine player. And I think that, a team will find a way to use him. You know, I think a lot of people thought Justin Hardy was going to be that type of player last year. I was not a Justin Hardy fan in terms of that type of level of skill. I saw him more as a slot receiver and I still didn't think that he, I felt like he had to prove that he could beat tight man coverage and he hasn't even proved it yet at the NFL level at this point. And, but I think that Sterling Shepard will prove that he can, and he's shown more of that in the college level than Hardy ever did. And what's your take on Rashard Higgins? Um, I've, I wanted to like Rashard Higgins a lot more than I did. Um, I, I really, I, I really thought that he was going to be able to show more in terms of, you know, speed downfield element, but he's a, he's a smooth receiver who catches the ball. Well, I think that he can develop into maybe it, he can develop to at least a contributor in a lineup um, who can be um, productive as that third or fourth receiver. I think if everything hits right and he can get a little bit more, um, a little, a little faster, a little quicker, then I think that he has that opportunity to maybe become that number two receiver in a lineup. I, I like his physical skills. I mean, I like his technical skills a lot, um, but he reminds me of a guy kind of between, if you remember Daryl Jackson, who used to play for the the Seahawks and the Dolphins, yeah. and Freddie Mitchell, Freddie Mitchell of the of the Eagles, he w- I would put Richard Higgins somewhere between Daryl Jackson and Freddie Mitchell, which were two really good college players, 
but never like as good as what as what you hope they would be as pros. He just, you know, the route skills, the understanding of the game is all there to become a good NFL starter, but the speed and quickness, I'm just not sure it's it's there for him. Last question, two-parter. Uh, give me a player that you're a little or a lot higher on than most, and besides Treadwell, maybe depending on how people view him. He's kind of a polarizing, but we've talked about Treadwell enough. But somebody you're higher on and somebody you're lower on than most. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I talked about Mitch Matthews. He's a guy I'm, I'm higher on than most. I have him ranked 12th, um, and I think that – I think that, you know, a lot of people I heard who were talking about him when they ever were, they, they were, the negatives were he disappeared a lot and he didn't play well against tight coverage against decent teams. And they cited games like UCLA. So, you know, I'm watching the UCLA game, UCLA game, and I'm thinking, got 80 yards and a touchdown in that game. And I'm watching the game and thinking, He's separating pretty well against, uh, you know, press coverage. He he put on a, a heck of a Dino route on a player, you know, being able to run that that post corner post or the or the it can be reversed, you know, and he was able to do do that very well with a corner breaking route with a double move. I think that he's a player that's only going to get better, and I think that he just needed a probably better quarterback play. Um, you know, to do it. So that's a guy that I'm a little higher on than most. I'm probably lower on, probably lower on Braxton Miller than most. Um, I, I have him 16th and I think that's the right place to put him. Yeah. He may end up being a, a, a starting receiver in the NFL may end up being a really good one, but he still has a good bit to learn just because he can catch and he can run after the catch. Doesn't make him a, um, an NFL receiver. There are a lot of receivers who don't get into the league and don't stay in the league because all they can do is catch and run. Um, and he has to show that he can manipulate defenders in tight press coverage um, and, and make those plays without getting um, eaten alive. And I think that he will, but it's going to take him a little more time. And gadget players are, are that way. And Pharaoh Cooper, I'm much lower on than most people. I think the South Carolina receiver is more of a gadget type of guy. And as I've talked to with a scout who mentioned this to me last night, you, you know, he he read my book and said, I, you know, I know one guy now who's lower on Pharaoh Cooper than I am. Um, and, <laughs> and I asked him what, you know, what his thoughts were. And, and I think he summed up kind of my thoughts as well very well, which is that gadget players who need manufactured touches aren't usually as successful in the NFL as they are in the college level. And I think that Farrow fits the profile more of a gadget receiver right now until he learns more of the techniques to um, develop into a guy who can be a standalone receiver. Thank you so much, Matt. Before we go, it's always informative as, as well. And always, always feel like we went to school from the great draft prospects. Again, the Rookie Scout portfolio is out. Tell us where we can find you at Twitter one more time or on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can find me at Matt Waldman, M-A-T-T-W-A-L-D-M-A-N. And you, I, I tweet stuff all the time about where you can find stuff on my blog and the shows that I do on YouTube um, where we study film together with folks. So it's, uh, you know, check me out there and you'll find all the goods. Thank you, Matt. It's awesome, as always. Thank you. It was a pleasure, TC. That was Matt Wallman of the Rookie Scout Portfolio. You're not going to find a more detailed 
analysis of the draft, folks. He breaks it down. You heard him. You heard his knowledge. You can find his stuff at mattwallmanrsp.com. Buy it. You also heard the proceeds go to a very ten percent of the proceeds go to a very good cause. If you are a draft nick, if you want as much information as possible, this is the man for you, and this is why I brought him on the show. Last order of business is my stuff. My stuff, you can follow me at O'Connell Bomb. That's on Twitter. You can go to ConnorClassicallyBombastic.com to find all of the podcasts and some posts that I write and various members of IBS write. And you can also follow us on the YouTube page, IBN. IBN is also a place you can find us on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash IBN. And that's all, folks. Hope everybody has a great day. <laughs>